Stepanovic forced back here to Cahill and he's had it taken off him by Alexis Sanchez. It's a big moment here for Arsenal. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to the 3 and in pod. We're back to our regular format and in keeping, Man City win again, Son sparkles, Cahill and Ivanovic continue their clown act and the Hammers have another horror show. I'm Chris and per usual, I'm joined by Sam. Hello. Well, where better to kick things off than the Arsenal-Chelsea game? What a game. I bet you're chuffed. Uh, yeah, just a bit. Um, it's a great way to mark... The great man's 20th anniversary at Arsenal. Just blew them away in the first half, didn't we? Well, you finally got to see the Gunners beat Chelsea. You were mentioning last time that you don't remember the last time that happened. Well, I've, I've personally never had it at the Emirates, but yes, that was a big weight off my shoulders, to be honest. Um, we looked pretty good, didn't we? As, as We looked as good as Chelsea looked bad. They didn't know how to have the ball. We pressed them high up the pitch. We saw the frailty that they have in defence, exploited it, which is... We haven't put teams to the sword like that as much as we should, I don't think. But on, on the occasions we do do it, 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 when it all clicks, Arsenal do really look amazing. We were just all over them. We swarmed over them and they didn't. They they still tried to play out on the back despite the fact that we were just picking them off yeah. time after time. Kante and Matic, who are ostensibly there to be additional defenders because of the lack of confidence, I think, in, in Cahill and Louise. And even prior to that, with with John Terry in there, even they, um, Kante and Matic were playing together in the base of midfield. Um, but they didn't, they didn't want the ball. There was no one showing for it. Fabregas maybe had about 10 or 20 touches. Um, Costa was... Cutting a very annoyed, isolated figure up top, which was always nice to see. And the Arsenal engine was properly purring. Yeah, Theo Walcott massively repaying the faith that Arsene Wenger shown in him. He looked in great form. He's just he's putting in the effort. That's, that's that's all. That's all that Arsenal fans have been asking for. To be honest, with with Walcott, he he's definitely capable of being a match winner and uh, scoring goals and even making making assists. It's just his work rate, which was uh, an issue. And the fact that he would go missing in games where we needed an experienced player. And he is one of our more experienced players. He's our longest serving player at the moment. Um, and we just want him to basically stand up and be counted. And to be fair to him, he's, he's someone that I thought wouldn't be at the club this season. But he's grasped his opportunity with both hands. And he's Played pretty well all season. It looks like you mentioned uh, Angolo Kante before. It basically, looks like he's struggling with a team that has anywhere over kind of forty-five percent possession. He's expected to have the ball and carry it forward and be a launch pad for attacks. But I don't think that's his. Whilst it's it's easy to do that when the opposition's camped in your half and you've there's the spaces to exploit and you can just pass it to your midfield partner and yeah. he can play that play the creative passes 
Not to mention he was outrun by referee Michael Oliver for two of the Arsenal goals. Which doesn't really bode well. <laughs> no, certainly not. They were just... I, I, I don't know what's happened at Chelsea. They've had a really, really bad window. Doesn't seem like Conte's managed to build the squad that he wanted to. They did a bit of a trolley dash at the end there for for Alonso and Louise, who are probably way down their list of desire or his list of desired targets. Probably not even on the list. <laughs> well, as bad as Chelsea were, Arsenal were brilliant, and there was a lot of talk about not having a backup to Giroud or not having someone world class up front, arguably. Turns out we did. Yeah, (laughs) the solution was there. Alexis Sanchez has been incredible playing up top. I think in this game especially, with David Luiz and Gary Cahill um, still not forging a partnership and each, well, Cahill especially, struggling for form. If we'd have have played Giroud up front, they would have known what they were dealing with. He's he's an orthodox centre-forward, whereas Alexis Sanchez is is unpredictable. He's, He's not... He's gonna drop. He's gonna drop short. He's gonna pull out wide. He's gonna pull the centre halves all over the place, and um, that's exactly what those two centre backs did not need to be playing up against. The Özil goal was two against two. Özil and uh, Alexis versus the two centre backs, and the way Meza Özil um, managed that situation was incredible. First of all, to turn away from the midfield and then then sprint away. He waited and waited for the pass until the centre-back stepped out and Alexis made his move at the exact same time. And then he pulled away from the other centre-back, which was Gary Cahill. And it was it seemed like it was an easy goal, but those two players, I think, were the only two players in the Arsenal team that would have been able to score that goal. But those they were left two against two, the, the Chelsea defence, which is unbelievable when you consider they were playing Matic and uh, Kante. One of the big problems, I guess, is the space that <clears throat> Branislav Ivanovic is leaving. I can't remember which goal it was, but there was a case where the ball was crossed over and like you could see both centre-backs running back, same line. Cahill looks over his shoulder, spots Alexis, just ignores him. And, Iva- and look, he's in the space that Ivanovic would usually be covering, but he's just open, like not even back post, like quite sen- quite central to the goal. He spotted him and he's just completely left him and Cahill's just marking nobody. Ivanovic is halfway up the pitch. Knowing that he doesn't have the legs to get back, it's just not really what you'd expect from a Chelsea team. And then with the pace of Iwobi, Walcott, Sanchez, Chelsea just really didn't stand a chance. Um, Iwobi was brilliant as well. He's quietly been amazing, to be honest, since the since he got introduced at the end of last season. I mean, we were in a real slump then as well. And then we brought in El Nene and Iwobi became into the team and really turned things around for us because it was slipping away there for a little while. Um, well, it did in, in the end anyway, but it could have been way, way worse if it weren't for those two players. Iwobi's got two or three assists this season. And I mean, if he was English, he'd definitely be getting the Rashford treatment. Uh, well, it doesn't matter. I don't mind him flying under the radar, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Not getting injured for England. Yeah, exactly. Well, despite all of those good performances, I don't know if you saw this, but the Mirror didn't have a single Arsenal player in their team of the week. <laughs> they had what? They had James Milner playing centre-back as well, I believe. Yeah. Bizarre. Yeah. 
I think that says it all, really. <laughs> well, I think that pretty much covers that game. But we ran a poll on Twitter, kind of the opposite end of the table, about which manager was most likely to get the chop. And two candidates were Slavin Bilic and Mark Hughes. 56% said Mark Hughes. There is still time to vote on this, by the way. The poll ends today. And you can vote on our Twitter at 3 and in pod. But yeah, 56% of people said Mark Hughes. Are you surprised by that? I am a little bit, to be honest. Um, this was supposed to be a, like a breakthrough season for West Ham. New stadium, got into Europe for the first time in ages. On a real high, having retained Pyatt services and having intimated to be going big in the transfer market, offers for Lacazette and Batshuayi, and also Carlos Backer. But it's just all gone to shit, really, for them this se- this season. They 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 lost in the European qualifier. They've won winning six. They've got the worst defence in the league. And it's, it just looks like there's no organisation there whatsoever. Yeah, front to back, it's all, it's all a mess. Like you said, they've got the worst defensive record in the league. West Ham didn't force uh, Fraser Forster into a single save. And considering how deadly they looked last season and the creativity they have with Payet and players like that and Lanzini, it's really surprising that they just they can't find any form whatsoever. It just looks like they're in one of those slumps that can't really put your finger on why. I, I can't really figure out what they're what their formation is, what their shape is, what their identity is, really. Without Mikel Antonio popping up at the back post, that they'd, it'd be even worse for them, to be honest, because the, the the game they won was against Bournemouth, and um, that was slightly against the run of play. Speaking to... Like, you saw the interview with Mark Noble at the end of the game, and he was almost in tears. He called the defending laughable, which it was. Which it was, yeah. yeah. I mean, they've, they've got no right-back... Despite having a right back, yeah. they, they've had. Uh, They're playing Arbelo at left back in Norbert at right back. Yeah, who's a centre midfielder, and and it showed as well. They were taken apart by, by the Saints' fullbacks, Cedric and Bertrand. They just gave them so much width and just kept popping up in those spaces behind the West Ham fullbacks, and that led to the first goal. I think it was Ryan Bertrand got the cross for that. We have to give credit to Southampton as well. They they did put them away really, really well. Um, Charlie Austin seems like all you, all you need to do is give him the ball in the box. It's just a classic old school number nine. New set of knee ligaments, new man. Uh, yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, alongside Redmond and Tadic in that kind of attacking triumvirate, they really just took West Ham apart. But, but West Ham, I, I, I don't know how they're going to pull out of this one. They're unfortunate with the RU injury just like so soon after having signed him. Cagliari, he's done nothing so yeah. far. Zaza, I mean, he was isolated completely. He didn't, I mean, for me personally, I was quite surprised they went for him. Not just because of obviously the comical penalty. But Six goals or something. Yeah, he, 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 okay, granted he didn't start that many games for Juventus, but even when he came on, I remember watching him in a game against Milan last season. He just looked really slow and a bit laboured. 
someone that can hold the ball up and a bit of a bully and if you if you've got a lead he's useful to bring on but he's never going to get you a goal if you need it he's never going to create anything out of nothing and and yeah you need that definitely well yeah as bad as west ham were our our audience still said that mark Hughes is the most likely to get the axe first stoke actually went 1-0 up in their game through the welsh javi <laughs> joe allen and it all looked quite rosy up until they conceded a last-minute corner. It was comical as well. I think the keeper came out for it. Defender knocked it out. Bruno Martins Indy just knocked it out. And then West Brom went and scored. Solomon Rondon with a header. But Mark Hughes just can't seem to catch a break at the moment. There was wild celebrations when Joe Allen got his goal. Arnautovic and Shakiri kind of mobbed him. And it all looked like they'd really picked themselves up. And to concede... Literally in stoppage time. It's a hammer blow, isn't it? I, I do think he'll still pull it, turn it around. He, he's just had Shakiri come back. I mean, Wilfred Bonney's going to take some time to bed in. I think once he gets his first goal, it could turn around for them a little bit. But yeah, the defensive errors, they've got to stop. They've got, at least they didn't ship four goals or three goals like they have been every week it seems that's true but i mean not no, it's really west there. brom i guess <laughs> they did get four last week though west brom didn't they against west ham <laughs> tony pulis never loses against his old sides does he no. Be it crystal palace or or stoke and that was his thousandth game in management as well i believe good well, on him yeah hold on to him yeah sunderland palace didn't look like it would be the most exciting game on paper going into the weekend but it probably was the most exciting game. Three <laughs> two win for Palace. Last minute winner from Christian Benteke. Two 0 down. Defoe with two goals. Defoe FC. It's just not gonna. It's just not gonna happen for Sunderland. I think this is definitely gonna be the season. It's it, the the. They finally go down. They they've been flirting with it for five years. They've not won a game in uh, August and September in four years now. David Moyes saying that his players need to stand up and take a bit of responsibility, but there was a lot of organisational stuff which he needs to really be accountable for. So he's been really, really negative as soon as he's got in there. It's it's not been it's not going to inspire your players to be any to have any confidence. They're they're definitely going down. <laughs> yeah. Well- one thing that he has had to face that isn't so much his fault is the really poor transfer window that they had. In fact, both sides had really contrasting transfer windows. You look at Palace and they sold Balassi and the, with the money they got Benteke and Townsend and both those players really look like they're the key players for Palace this season. Then you look at Sunderland and Ellis Short wasn't really able to spend and give David Moyes any money. They've got a couple of last-minute transfers, some of the former United players. It's just a bunch of United Academy players. It's, and Stephen Pienaar as well. <laughs> I, I don't know what he's going to do there. Seems like he needs to do some damage limitation, I think. One player I feel really sorry for is Pickford and Sunderland goal. He's had to... Every game, he's had to face like 20 shots and he's saved like six, seven, eight of them and he's done quite well, but... You're going to inevitably end up conceding goals when you're facing that many shots and your defence just isn't doing its job. I can see him earning a move. That's that's what happens, though. When when a keeper is always under fire all the time against a smaller club, for a smaller club, 
they tend to get picked up um, the season after, even if they do go down. To be honest, because reminds me a bit of their percentages like always quite high, aren't they? Yeah. So like statistically, they're usually quite good. Not not looking good. They they well they're down. They should stop taking bets on them because there's no <laughs> wow. way they're going to turn it around. Well, that is that's bold. That is bold. Not really. <laughs> it's still early on in the season. I I mean I do agree. I think they will go down, and I think they will finish bottom. But a lot of teams have made horrendous starts to the season. I think we should put David Moyes on that um, Twitter poll. To be honest, because. I, I just don't see anything from him, to be honest. But is it a case that David Moyes is, isn't doing well at Sunderland, or is it just Sunderland as a club isn't doing well? They don't have they didn't have the players to start with. They didn't bring any bring in any new players. They could potentially even do with a relegation <laughs> <laughs> parachute payments. Yeah, yeah. And just and just maybe start again because they they've got players there on on big wages. They just need to learn how to fight again. Well, Benteke got his what, goal in his first start, was it? Uh, perhaps. No, no, he got a debut goal, didn't he? Maybe. Well, either way, he got a winner. Yeah. And it was a typical Christian Benteke goal. Probably one of the easier goals he's ever scored. <laughs> Untracked from from the edge of the 18-yard box in a corner. Really comical defending. Who who lets Christian Benteke have a 3-4 yard run? And he's he's actually gone up to the penalty taker and uh, the corner taker prior to him taking the corner and told him to put it on the penalty spot. He's gone there, had a conversation with him visibly. So obviously he's going to be a target. He's told him to do something. So for, for him not to be picked up, that's just that's amateur. Well, Christian Benteke may have got the winner for Palace, but his old club, Liverpool, definitely aren't missing any goal scorers. They absolutely put hold to the sword at Anfield. 5-1 in the end. I was at that game demolished them didn't they it was depressing that was crucial to this yeah. game we mentioned before uh, in the preview that sam Clucas would probably have a much tougher time against those midfield runners and there was just so many of them i swear so, and not only the midfield it was the two fullbacks they 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 were always on the halfway line joining attacks nathaniel klein i think had maybe about 30 touches in the opponent's half Lana looks like a player revitalized under Jurgen Klopp. He's everywhere. He's he's happy to do a lot of work, a lot of defensive work. He's he's just interchanged very well the the front four. Really, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite impressive. Well, Adam Lallana. I mean, I hold my hands up. I was one of those people that criticized Adam Lallana last season and felt that he just hung on to the ball too much. He didn't look decisive, but that looks like it's changed massively. He's getting goals, assists. He's actually Cruyff turning in the right areas rather than just into no man's land. He got such a good reception from the Liverpool fans. He was tracking back. He was doing everything. And yeah, seems, Liverpool fans were chanting his name, gave him a standing ovation when he went off. And he's he's been a, a part of a lot of goals actually this season, hasn't he? Be it scoring them or assisting them or the pass before the assist. Yeah, I've been quite impressed with him. He's, he's covered a lot of ground as well. Just a whole... Liverpool machine seems to be working really well. Everyone knows what they're doing. There's not any like stars in the team. Everyone's working for one another. Yeah. Um, it's all very fluid. I mean, it's, you it's... always have the quality of someone like Coutinho, Firmino, Sturridge when he came on. Coutinho, and those, those... Coutinho, like, despite the fact that he's still taking shots from everywhere, he's 
he's doing it at the right times. He's uh, he's 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 not sacrificing the progress of the team by by doing the extravagant stuff, which it it felt like a lot before. He would just take shots all the time. Yeah, but that that seems like that could be as a consequence of him having no options before. Yeah, definitely. Well, I remember having this debate with someone the other day who was saying, oh, he's got the most goals from outside the box in the last season and a bit or whatever, like eight goals. And I was like, yeah, but he's taken like 600 shots or whatever. Like yeah. inevitably a bunch of those are going to go in. But yeah, there was there was a period of about three, four, five minutes where Liverpool were just hounding the whole defenders. And every time the whole defenders got the ball, they just looked really panicky. They looked like a kid in the playground just trying to boot it out, just get it away. And we just come back with another wave of attack. And that's what we needed. I mean, there was a lot of criticism after the game against Burnley. And there was all the talk about the fact that Liverpool still can't beat teams with a low block. And all right, fine. Hull do kind of play a bit more football and they've looked a bit more progressive this season. But we just broke them down. Like they just looked devoid of any confidence come the end of the game. Plus, they, they went down to 10 men as well for the second time in in, in a week. Uh, handballs uh, on, in the box. <laughs> on the line. On the line, yeah. Um, this one's a bit more of a nailed-on red card. What else can you say, really? I mean... They whole... managed to get a goal. Yeah. Liverpool still haven't kept a clean sheet this season, which will be a concern. But then you have played last season's top three. But defensively, whilst... The, the waves of attack, the streaming forward is it's pleasing on the eye. It's it's not very pragmatic. So. I had, yeah, I said this to the person I was sitting next to as well. I said, I guarantee we still won't keep a clean sheet. And I'd much rather have like a 2-0, 1-0 win than... I mean, not for the goal difference sake, but just for confidence in defence. Mm. And the way we conceded the goal was a bit comical as well, I think. It was just a pass to James Milner and he miscontrolled it and he went out for a corner. There wasn't too much we could actually do from the corner itself. Wijnaldum won the header and where it's bounced is just directly in between Klein and Henderson. And had that bounced anywhere else, one of them would have cleared it. But yeah, it is something that we need to look at. And yeah, positive, positive time to be a Liverpool fan. Yeah. Take a break. Let's take a break and we'll head to Manchester after. The owners, although they were concerned with recent results, they suggested that perhaps performances would be as important as results for this game. Give it gigs it to the end of the season. Welcome back, everyone. Six games, six wins. City are walking this league, aren't they? Yeah, it seems that way. The Guardiola juggernaut rolls on. It, they didn't have it all their own way, though, in this game. I think um, Swansea, pretty much the only side that have actually come out to play against Man City. They had five shots to Man City's four on target. And um, they were in the game for large parts of it. So there is uh, some positives there for Francesco Guidolin. And there's also some negatives for City as well in this game. Uh, De Bruyne went off with a hamstring injury. Although that does mean that Raheem Sterling will now have a lot more pressure on him. I think Guardiola's mentioned the fact that he expect Sterling to kind of fill the boots of Kevin De Bruyne while he's out. It may also give them an opportunity to play um, Aguero and Iheanacho together. I don't know if that will happen, but um, yeah, I mean, David Silva's been playing. Uh, there's the space for him there. Gund- uh, Gundogan had his first start. 
So there there are options there for them, definitely. But Kevin De Bruyne was just has just been phenomenal this season. He's been everywhere. He's been part of pretty much everything good that they do. Yeah. So big big boots to fill for Raheem Sterling if that if that's what the manager said. But he's he's not been a slouch exactly this season either. He's scored four goals, five assists in in eight games. They're pretty impressive numbers, to be honest. Swansea gave away a penalty. Van der Hoon, the arm in Aguero's face. He he said after the game that big teams tend to get decisions. He said when he was at Ajax, it was the same thing. I don't know about you, but for me, that was a blatant penalty. I'm not sure, to be honest. Um. I think it was on De Bruyne. He's definitely oh, he's yeah. definitely made a lot of it. He's don't know really. Uh, you could see his arm swing for me. He's like a pretty pretty tall player, to be honest. Um, he's he's try he's looking at the ball. Not he is player. looking at the ball, yeah. But he's got to be aware of the fact yeah, where the I other guess. players are. If you've got a, an arm in someone's face, well, it's not like an elbow he shoved in his face. But he, I think, I think he's aware of where he is. Perhaps I, I wouldn't have given it if I were the referee, to be honest. But that was definitely the returning point, and uh, Aguero tucked it away. He's just one of those players. It doesn't matter if he's injured. When he comes back, he's just hits Immediate. the ground running. Yeah, Suarez was like that as well. Yeah. Whenever he used to have a spell out, whether it was out of suspension or injury, <laughs> whenever he came back, he'd just be back to goal scoring form. It's just the hunger, isn't it? It's, it's just he it just wants it really, really badly. He's Man City have just got so many options. I mean, we haven't even mentioned, like, Nelito wasn't playing and he's been quite key to them this season. De Bruyne's out, so uh, Leroy Sane could step in. Yeah. They've got so many options. It's it's scary. So They've, I think they're also... I mean, they, they haven't played anyone good, really, this season. In the, in the same way that Liverpool... Is, have... a, is that a dig at Man United? <laughs> <laughs> In the same way Liverpool played the top three from last season, Man City played Man United with Rooney. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they played uh, they they played uh, Sunderland, Swansea. Yeah, not not very testing fixtures. No, but then again, like with a new manager, new style, there were questions about whether Guardiola would be able to implement his like philosophy straight away, and. You know, those teams, whilst they're not necessarily the bigger names, like we saw with Leicester last season, the smaller teams are a massive test in the Premier League. There's, and it's a bit cliche, but there's never like any easy games unless you're playing Man United with Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 who, who have they got this week? Well, first they have Celtic midweek in the Champions League and then they play Tottenham at White Hart Lane so yeah like you said that that will probably provide their toughest test so far yeah definitely I, I think Tottenham have quietly almost just gone about their business they're, they're second in the league they've got um, they've conceded three goals all season I mean they have lost uh, Harry Kane but it seems like yes, Son... they found someone to pick up the slack yeah Son's hit a bit of a purple patch hasn't he he's got four, four goals, goals yeah. in, in a couple of games um we have, we spoke about how important it would be for Vincent Janssen to fill in Harry Kane's shoes, but yes, with with Son and hopefully they can for them they can chip in with a few more goals from midfield like Deli Ali and people like that. Yeah, I mean Deli Ali hasn't really got started this no. season, has he? No. And um, 
Christian Eriksen looks he, he threatened to to kickstart his season yeah. like with a performance against Stoke but then it's against Stoke who was shipping goals left right and centre their season's been about kind of consolidation hasn't it from the start like yeah. they quietly went through the transfer window didn't make too many signings just bolstered their squad a little bit Son was one of those players that looked like he might be on his way out I think he may have even requested a transfer but Pochettino convinced him otherwise but now they're on 14 points that's like you said that's gone completely under the radar they're, so they're only it's a... the best start in about 50 years or something yeah they're only what f- four points behind City and yeah. point ahead of whoever's in third they've got the same goal difference as Liverpool who've just been banging in goals so they're a well-oiled machine really aren't they they've yeah. they've they've done well in the in retaining the players that they've they did so well with last season and added to it quite well like it seemed like there was a bit of a bit of a like a hurried signing with Sissoko but Wanyama's a decent addition yeah um Jansen as well as a as a backup to Harry Kane. Yeah, good squad option, and you know they beat Borough over the weekend as well, two one win. Um, Borough are a bit of a strange one. They seem to start the season really well, and now they've lost their last three, and Negredo failed to score. Yeah, yeah, it looks a bit stop start for them. Yeah, I mean they they signed a lot of players, which on paper were fantastic. They managed to keep their manager who done so well with them and it all looked kind of rosy but I think they've had a bit of a rude awakening in the Premier League they they were shocking last week at Everton they didn't even have a shot on target they showed a bit of fight though having gone 2-0 down and they've got West Ham next so if they can show a bit of that tenacity and fight they will probably get a result as well could and, be his uh, last if he doesn't perhaps perhaps should we talk about the elephant in the room? Or elephant on the bench in Wayne Rooney's case. <laughs> yes. The world's worst kept secret. Drop Wayne Rooney and Man United run riot. That was emphatic, wasn't it? It was. It was. Pogba looked so much freer. Don't know if you caught the game, but that chip ball he played over the top to Ebro, who then had that spinning volley. Yeah. It just looked karate like... Karate kick. Yeah. And they both were... Laughing and enjoying the football there. Do you know what I mean? There was, there was always someone there around Ibrahimovic. There was a lot of interplay. Ranieri stuck with a two-man midfield, which was it just did not work. For you can tell from the first fifteen twenty minutes, it just wasn't working and should have been changed, but it didn't. And then Man United just dominated the possession. Yeah, chance after chance. I mean, granted, three of the goals came from corners. Yeah, I mean, that was something I was going to say. I mean, as good as Man United looked without Rooney and they, the space they had to exploit, three of the goals were from corners. And Danny Simpson mentioned after the game that they've been impacted by the new rules, the shirt pulling and the fact that referees are a bit stricter on it. That's a weird thing to say, really, isn't it? To be honest, like it's like admitting that yeah, we were fouling people. To stop yeah, exactly. Before. The whole, the whole, uh, the whole success uh, at defend defending last season, which was they were quite good in defence as well, weren't they? It was down to gamesmanship and cheating. And stuff. I, I guess the idea is that they're now more conscious of the fact that any slight movements mm. will be given against them, so they're not as tight to their markers or particularly yeah. Old Trafford, right? Well, that's another kind of indictment of 
Wayne Rooney because he was he was on corny duty, wasn't he, for Man United? Not a single set piece goal this season from I come on about eighteen or nineteen corners he's taken. Three from five from Daily Plin. <laughs> <laughs> Leicester were poor. This make no bones about it. Looks like they had one eye on Europe midweek. Um, I mean, Ranieri said as much by taking off Vardy and Mares that he he just he was thinking about Europe. The game had gone. He just got the shape wrong. I I think for them this season, they're not necessarily expecting to win the league again and they want to make a good effort of it in Europe so as long as they stay in the league and and have a decent run yeah. if they get out of their group in the Champions League and finish mid-table in the Premier League maybe a decent cup run domestically not not a bad season really certainly not no I mean this is probably the only time they're ever going to be in the Champions League um, well never say never but <laughs> yeah. um, the likelihood is in the in the in the short term, this is the only time they're going to be in the Champions League. They've got to give it a fist. Do you know what I mean? They've it, it'll be it will do so much for the fans to have these big nights in Europe. And and likelihood is that some of their big name players will probably leave next summer as well, or who knows, even in January. Like people like Mares, I I can't see him being there next season. No. Well, Man United have a Europa League game on Thursday, and then Stoke the weekend. Do you think they'll be negatively affected by that, or is Stoke the perfect side for them to be facing, considering their dip in form? I don't know. Mark Hughes has done all right against Man United in the time he's been at Stoke. Um, One of the few ex-United players that doesn't roll throw over the game. Yeah. <laughs> They've also um, got Liverpool coming up as well. That for them, they'll be hoping that they can pick up their form now and going, especially going into that game because mm. Liverpool are flying. Well, it was 4-1 in the end. Leicester did manage to get a goal. And it wasn't one of the usual sp- suspects in Mares or Vardy or Slimani. It was uh, Damari Gray came off the Hell bench. Of a strike, wasn't it? He's looked quite good since coming from Birmingham. He has. Really positive. Energetic. Yeah. Pacey. He's one for the future. Definitely. For sure. And it's nice to see him get a chance considering like the signings that Leicester have made. They've made... They they bought Musa and Slimani and he there was a risk that Gray could have just fallen by the wayside, but um, it's good to see him get a chance and it's good to see him take it as well. Definitely. Yeah. Bournemouth Everton was the last weekend game, one 0 win for Bournemouth. That was slightly unexpected. Everton had been flying up until now. Yeah. Um, didn't really start at all against Bournemouth. They didn't have much of the ball. Bournemouth controlled like the positive play in the middle of the park. Wilshire had a good game. Harry Arta had a man of the match performance. And what a goal from Junior Stanislas. Strike. A hell he's of a he's strike. scored a few of those, hasn't he? He's, yeah. he's he's not he's not shy. Everton dunno, it was really stale, wasn't it? They had they, they lost in midweek. It's it's just it was it's quite surprising considering the start they've had and how decent they've actually looked. Ross Barkley had a bit of a no show, didn't he? It's too hit and miss, isn't he? Way too hit and miss. He really needs some consistency. Yeah. He seems to start the season, the first few games of the season, really well. He did that last year as well, and then has a spell where the goals just dry up. The same thing happens for Lukaku. He just kind of runs through the team, really. 
I'd expect that to change, to be honest, with this manager. And I think he just he's he's definitely building something there. You're gonna get a few of these blips along the way, I guess. But disappointing, really, from Everton. I was expecting there were a lot more from them. Well, we mentioned last week that Eddie Howe wasn't kind of blaming their loss on uh, against City on the fact that City had much greater resources. He said that they'd work on themselves, analyze their game, and it looks like they've done exactly that. Yeah. Definitely. No, no surprise that he's, you know, been lauded as a really strong manager for the future and possible Arsenal manager in the future as well. Yeah. The last game, which has just finished, is Burnley 2 Watford 0. That's a bit of a surprising result. Yeah. Considering last week's result, Watford uh, obviously were celebrating a bit too hard. <laughs> They're on their come down after their high. <laughs> Was a, a, a goal for Jeff Hendrick, his first goal for the club, a record signing. It was quite. We've had it on in the background, and it's been quite a dominant performance from Burnley. Well, I think that covers the Premier League, doesn't it? All right. Well, let's have a quick roundup of football around the world. Probably the biggest news was the fact that FIFA have decided to disband their anti-racism task force. There was a lot of upheaval at FIFA last year. Sepp Blatter was disgraced and it felt like there was a bit of more of a positive mood in football and that potentially FIFA could be making some positive strides for the first time in years. But with a, with the next World Cup in Russia, they've decided what else is there to do but disband the anti-racism task force. Well, well they've fixed racism. <laughs> what, what more do you want? <laughs> we should, we, I think we should get them in the Middle East next. <laughs> Energy crisis. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they'll, they'll fix that too. Poverty as well. I, I reckon... Bizarre, anyway. Some more controversial news. Serge Aurier has been given a two-month jail sentence. Well, in the footballer sense, anyway. So he won't actually serve any jail time. Yeah, definitely not. He's just going to have community service. But this was for supposedly having a fight with a policeman. He's not shy of it, is he? I know he's 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 always in in the spotlight somehow. If he's not making homophobic yeah, remarks about, about his, his manager. manager, yeah, exactly. Then he's uh, out beating up policemen. He could, he looks like he'd give Joey Barton a run for his money in the in the arsehole stage. <laughs> and it, I don't know whether this has necessarily affected them, but uh, PSG lost their second game of the season against Toulouse. <laughs> Make whatever pun you want from that. Yeah, I can't even be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> it was a 2-0 loss. <sighs> oh, God, more puns. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Nice won again, didn't they? So they're, they're looking, they're sitting pretty at the top of the of Liga. Off to Spain. Despite two consecutive draws, Madrid still remain top. Barca are just a point behind them, so that will be tight. And they look to be picking up a, lot, a bit of form now. They put five past Sporting Gijon. Sergio Roberto at right back. He's got four assists already. They're not really missing Danny Alves. Italy. We're going we're gonna to rifle through these. Let's do it. First win for Joe Hart's Torino in our Joe Hart watch. They beat Roma. And Francesco Totti got his 250th league goal. I'll avoid the tears this time. Yeah, isn't he? Wasn't that his fortieth birthday as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently, it's incredible. Right. Napoli remain unbeaten, but Juve are still top. 
in the rest of Serie A. And in Germany, Joshua Kimmich is his new golden child at Bayern. He's got another goal, fourth of the season. And yeah, he's an 88th minute winner. And that's helped Bayern maintain their perfect league record. I kind of mentioned that Ancelotti's record is much better in Europe and Dortmund might pick them to the league this season, but they're they're looking so strong. Dortmund had a big win as well over the weekend. Yeah, 3-1 win. And that's now 14 goals in five league games. They are the Aubameyang, Royce, Goetzer, Schürrle. They're just firing the goals. Yeah. And to finish things off, our Oliver Burke watch. He's got his first goal for Leipzig in his first start as well. So Scottish football fans rejoice. Good on him. Um, So next week is the last set of Premier League fixtures before the international break. So we will catch you after those games. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll be off in Amsterdam, won't we? So uh, we'll see if we come back safe and sound. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dear. I'm worried. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't hear from us again, it's been a pleasure. Good night. Good night.